You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, we talk with Cole Bagley. He's the beat writer for the Daily Utah Chronicle. He also writes over at Ute Zone, interning at KSL.com. Wanted to bring him on to talk about his article and the quotes that he got from Jaquindon Jackson and Junior Tafuna this week. Preview USC a little bit and then talk about his experience covering Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe. Thank you all for making Locked On Utes your first listen of every single day. Without further ado, let's get to the good stuff. Cole absolutely slayed it. It was a great time uh, talking to him, and we're going to bring him back and have him on a lot more. Nobody is around Utah football more than Cole Bagley, so enjoy your episode of Cole Bagley and myself here on the Locked on Utes podcast for October 6th, 2021. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me today, my Utah friends and family. I am Brian Brown, typically joined by my co-host Jake Hatch. In his stead tonight, as uh, Jake is Jake is in the middle of uh, boy, how do I phrase it? Uh, the takeover uh, for sports media as KSL Sports and Twelve Eighty are merging. There's a lot going on with that right now. So I'm joined by a good friend of mine and someone that I think Utah fans have really started to get to know a little, little bit this season uh, and, and who's done some phenomenal work. Cole Bagley, my main man, the uh, I call him Big Daddy, which that was a, a term that I coined tonight for you. And, and you're like, uh, nobody's ever called me that. I was like, well, you got to be your first. It's not a bad one to be me, you know, uh, but Cole Bagley, give uh, give the listeners a little bit of <laughs> A little bit of a rundown of everything that you're doing right now in terms of your University of Utah football coverage. Yeah, no. Uh, first off, thanks so much for having me on the show, Brian. It's a, it's, it's an honor to be on. Honestly, it's a show I've listened to many times, and so to be on, it's a, um, like I said, an honor and just a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so I'm Cole Bagley, I guess now known as Big Daddy. Um, <laughs> only Brian's, only Brian's allowed to call me that from <laughs> no, from here on out. Nobody else. Don't let Twitter get all uh, of that one. That's just you, yeah. me. Maybe Bartle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Big yeah, Daddy and I'm FTB, the, the anchors of Ute Zone. There you go. So I've got a lot of titles, I guess, um, not to toot my own horn, but um, I'm the sports editor for the Daily Utah Chronicle, which is the uh, student newspaper at the University of Utah. Um, I'm also a contributor for Ute Zone. I've been doing that for about eight months now. I was picked up in the spring. Um, and then I'm also a sports intern for KSL. So a whole lot going on in my life right now. I probably write 15 to 20 articles a week on a whole bunch of stuff, but mainly the University of Utah, um, Utah football, which I just love so much. Um, and it's been just such a blast to be ingrained in that to be i mean it, it's a dream come true to be up you know at uh football practices to be talking with these guys to be connecting with them to um, be up in the press box i mean my whole life has been sports and to now be in that world and to be the first person to hear 
you know, the latest breaking news straight from, you know, straight from the mouth of these guys um, to be standing feet from, from Kyle Whittingham and his, his incredible calves just is, it just means so much to me. So uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing right now is um, in, in addition to being a student at the U, I will graduate in December. So finishing up senior year, but also working my tail off and trying to, to make it in the journalism world. And I should, I should interlude here just real quick that the reason that I call you big daddy is because you've got a, a, not so baby boy. Uh, he's young, but he's, he, he's, he's burly. He's got some, you should call him, him big daddy. That's big daddy. I'm not big daddy. That's he, big daddy. He'll be future big daddy for sure. Um, <laughs> so on top of all that stuff, you're also a father and, and you and the wife have been married for what, a, about a year now, three years, three, years, no, okay. three years. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys have been at it for a little while. So a lot on your plate, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about what it is, like what the requirements are to be a journalist, because I think a lot of people, when they tune into this, they think, oh, hey, there you go. Brown Bear just rolled out another half hour for us. Nice, nice of him mm-hmm. to show up. Um, and, and there's really a lot of work that goes into not only cultivating re- relationships, uh, but, you know, the amount of time you have to spend up there. You know, what does what a, a typical day look like for you in terms of covering this team? Oh man. I mean, it's, it's different every single day, but, um, just to give you an idea of, of, uh, of, of a Monday or a Tuesday, which is when media availability, uh, opens up, you know, you've, you've, you've gotten an email the night before and you put in your request. So it's already prepping of, um, you know, the night before of, all right, who do I want to talk to? Do I want to talk to Cam rising? Do I want to talk to Jaquin and Jackson? Do I want to talk to Mackay Bernard, junior Tafuna, Devin Lloyd? So there's a lot of preparation that goes into that. And it's along with that is, trying to come up with an idea of, okay, what are the questions I want to ask? You know, am I, am I going to ask about their performance? Am I going to ask about, you know, how the team's doing the record? So, you know, a couple hours of preparation the night before really sets up your story. Nice. Without that, it's hard to have direction. And then, um, you know, I, I'd say a journalist's day starts bright and early because you don't want to miss any of the breaking news. You know, I mean, there could be a, a transfer that we see. There could be a, you know, a starting position that's, that's now been given to the backup. You know, there's just so much that goes on in journalism. So it's, it's early mornings and it's late nights. Um, uh, and then obviously, you know, driving up to University of Utah, going to their practices, um, you know, you generally spend about an hour, maybe an hour and a half, you know, talking to these players uh, one-on-one, which is, is really fun because you get to know them on a personal level. You know, they're no, they're no longer just a, a helmet and a jersey, you know, out on the field. It's it's personal. You get to know their their character, their characteristics, their their personalities. Um, and then after that, you know, you, you drive home and and it's another hour or two, maybe even three, coming up with the story. And it just depends on again that preparation. Did I ask the right questions? Because that's how I like to guide my stories. Is based off those questions, I'm given answers, and then I just kind of you know formulate it from there. And then you know as well with game days. Um, it, it's incredible to be able to to sit up in a press box to have a free seat to every game, but there's a reason that you know uh, Josh Newman was so excited about a, a, a early kickoff, you know, a couple weeks ago is because when you're a part of the press, you're usually there for another two, three, even four hours. So we kick off at eight, game's over by midnight. You're sometimes there till two or three a.m. in the morning, and not that I would have it any other way, but it is a it's not, it's not an eight to five. It's, it's constant. It's constantly going, you know, breaking news whenever, you know, it, it can happen at, at, you know, um, at the drop of a needle, you know, any, anything 
can, can be released and you have to act on it really quick. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been out at, you know, at a family event and all of a sudden something comes out and, you know, I kind of just look at my wife and she knows, all right, you know, Cole's going to go sit in the corner and type up a story on his phone and he'll be back in, you know, 30 to 40 minutes. So it's, uh, it's an interesting, I love it more than anything. I wouldn't want to be doing anything else, but, um, it's a, it is a full-time job and there's no other way to put it. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's, it's an income, um, a life encompassing job for sure, but it is one that you do, you are exposed to a lot of uh, unique privileges and things like that. And it's a lot of fun. There's no doubt about it. I think this market is, is really rare because uh, the media, especially at the university of Utah is, is so congenial, welcome, welcoming, you know, it, it's funny how we talk about the, the school being family, but really like it, that kind of, uh, attitude is, is even trickled down to the media to where we're all very interactive and everything like that. Um, but like, like you said, it is, it is not easy. Then um, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into it. We all make fun of Steve for, for wearing his backpack everywhere he goes, but it's cause he's got to have that laptop in there. Cause you never know when a recruit might announce or a graduate transfer QB might randomly decide that he doesn't want to be a part of the team anymore or, you know, any number of things, uh, especially this season. Regarding relationships, I think part of what, you know, you had some great quotes from Jaquindon Jackson, some very prescient, timely, uh, almost inspiring stuff. Uh, and I think part of the reason that you were able to get that is your relationship with him. What was it that maybe just kind of explain what made you think that it was a good, good thing to talk to him about and, and how you kind of built that relationship and were able to get those quotes from him? Yeah, so... Um... Obviously, you know, the elephant in the room, the passing of, of Aaron Lowe, it's very difficult. And not only does it affect the players, and, and it definitely affects them on a much deeper level, but as members of the media, we get to know these kids. Um, and I say kids, I mean, I am older than them, but, you know, they're my classmates, right? Like, I don't only see them at practice, but I see them in, in the classroom. I see them on campus. And, you know, you, you sometimes share, you know, special moments with these guys, you know, um, the passing of Aaron and the passing of Ty was, was difficult for me. And that's something I know we want to get into a little bit later. Um, but, you know, with, with that being so recent and talking to Jaquindon on Monday, it was the first media availability that we'd had since, since Aaron had, had passed and, you know, going into it, um, I'm newer to this industry. Right. And I want it to be as respectful as possible. Um, I can't imagine what it's like to lose, you know, a brother at such a young age, especially in such a tragic uh, situation. And so I just thought to myself, you know, what kind of questions do I want to ask you, Quentin? And I thought, well, you know what? I just, I don't, I don't want to talk about Aaron, you know, and it's not because I don't want to hear what he has to say. It's because I just didn't feel comfortable or that it was the right time. And so I thought, you know what, I just want to talk to Duquindon about football. You know, he was close with both Ty and Aaron. And I just thought, you know, this, this is an up and coming player. This is someone that I had thought about talking to um, following his performance against Washington state. Um, so I thought, you know, I'll stick with it. I want to talk to him. Um, I, I'm just going to talk about football. Um, and so, you know, I prepared a couple questions and, and all I really, you know, asked him simply was, uh, you know, tell me about your transfer to the University of Utah. Why did you pick Utah? What's it been like since you've been here? Um, 
And he just, I mean, he just, it's all him. He gave me pure gold. So one of the best quotes I could have ever asked for. You know, he said, I could have passed up on Utah. I went to other schools, but I, I decided to come here. Basically, I'm, I'm going to just say that this is a happy place to be. Football, the fans, the mountains. It's lovely out here. It's just so beautiful. I love it. And I've had quite a few people reach out to me, DM me, message me, and just, you know, let me know, like, this is something I needed to hear. And this is something that, I think Utah football really needed to hear. So, you know, full credit to Jaquindon. Um, he, I think he, he, I think he was inspired to say those things because Utah, like you said, it's a family and the family's hurting right now. And so for someone so close to that situation to say, I still love my decision. I love that I'm here. I love this place, the fans, the football, you know, it's, it's perfect. Right. Like, so, that, that, that's just how it went down. And, and I just remember sitting there like, man, that was, that was an unbelievable interview. And I, I just wanted to talk about football. He's a kid that has had to deal with a lot of loss, not just uh, with his friends, close, his closest friends on the team, but also in his personal life as well. And, you know, like you said, it, it, it does feel like there was some inspiration behind that. Um, I've just been super impressed by him. Uh Another another player that I've, I've I've always been impressed by, even back when he was in high school, was Junior Tafuna. You had a chance to talk to him on Tuesday. Uh, what are what are the inside details on Junior that people might not know, or those who maybe haven't read the article yet uh, that you you feel like uh, are worth knowing? I think he is an incredible player. I think his talent speaks to the depth that this Utah football team has. Um, and that's one of the things that I asked him about um, yesterday at, at practice. You know, we, we got to see a lot of depth and read, um, you know, uh, Junior Tafuna, Van. You know, we saw a lot of young freshmen not only playing and fulfilling these, you know, replacement roles, if you will, but thriving. I mean, they looked like veterans out there. And that's, that's part of the reason that I wanted to talk to Junior. But he is just such – he's – he's just a big, happy guy. I mean, he is a gentle giant off the field, but as soon as you put him on that, that field, I mean, he is just an absolute monster. I loved watching him. He continually, you know, was, was putting up a fight on that line of scrimmage broke through, absolutely punished the Washington state quarterback on a play, got up, pounded his chest. And it just was an amazing moment. And I asked him about that. Um, you know, and, and he gave me a quote that I just, I mean, I actually laughed because I just thought, I mean, it was just so funny because you, you just kind of resonated with it. He said, I said, you know, tell me about your first start. And he says it was special. It meant a lot to me, you know, not even just starting, but being able to play and have my brothers believe in me to fulfill the role be, uh, behind Vianney. It was special. It was electric, kind of like the first time going to Disney World. And I just laughed because I just thought, man, that you nailed it. Like, totally. It the the stadium was electric it and i and i'm and i'm sure that you know as soon as you made that hit and rice eccles exploded because they did it was like that first time going to disneyland there's a little bit of magic there and so junior he's not only a stellar football player but he is just a a great guy i I think he'd give you the shirt off his back um just really happy and and easygoing but just a monster on the field a lot of potential i like i like junior a lot yeah, I've been a huge fan of his, and I think it's really impressive that the staff was able to kind of project that, you know, a guy who was playing outside linebacker for most of his high school career 
would would project so well to the inside. He struggled a little bit early in the season with conditioning, I think, but he's really emerged. And you, you mentioned one thing about like he referenced uh, getting his first sack, like like going on a trip to Disney World. And I think that's something about his personality that is so unique is is the amount of joy that he gets from everything. You know, it, it's not like like he has fun playing football. He has fun. Mm-hmm practicing i think you know he has fun with his conversations and and he's a low-key funny guy uh you know i think um you know when i first talked to him when he's a recruit it was a little uh like i think there was some hesitancy there just simply because i don't know that he was quite ready to show his full full person personality uh but at the end of the day like i think that he he could finish you know at the university of utah as, as one of the better defensive linemen they they've had in the interior uh did he give you anything about his mindset going into to next week's game or this week's game i guess it is yeah so you know he just talked about um they really wanted to he want, he wants to he kept saying he, want, he wants to bring that juice he wants to bring that energy, that juice. And kind of like you talked about, the first time I ever talked to him, he was super um, reserved, kind of a little bit shy. And then I've talked to him a couple of times, you know, he knows who I am now and and super friendly, super outgoing. But he says, you know, I, I, I want to do more of the same. You know, I want to go out there on the field. I want to break through that line. I want to fight these guys, you know, tire them out and get after the quarterback, get after slowness. Um he said he's going to be studying film like crazy, which, which is really important to him. He says he studies he studies film because it brings confidence to his game. He feels like when he's you know when he's watching that film, he can then internalize it and think about it. And that's something else he told me. He said he said the reason I got that sack against Washington State, and he says I share this with my wife, is that I am obsessed with football. I all I think about and I picture myself doing is playing football and playing it well. He said, that, that's what I do. He said, the law of attraction. And I'm like, that is the type of defenseman that you want on your team. They're obsessed with it. And they're obsessed with getting better and making big plays, knowing that they can make big plays. Yeah, he's a unique kid. You know, got married almost immediately after the mission. I think, I believe it was his high school sweetheart. Uh, and, and really, that's, I think, everything that he's done has really been kind of like, you know, because he loves football, you know, like, all right, well, I'll get married because I love football and she supports me and everything like that. And I think he's definitely, he is the kind of player, just his personality traits, everything about him, just very uh, aware of the responsibility that lies at his feet and he attacks it. You know, I think he, you know, he is such an attacking mindset and I think it's, it's juice, you know, is is the word that you Mm -hmm. use and that he used. Now he's constantly chasing the juice in pretty much everything he does. Um, I just I love him. You know, I'm excited to see what happens uh, with his career as he moves forward, and especially uh, against USC um, because Utah is going back to Cali. But also, we're back on the gridiron right now, Cole. I don't I don't know if you realize that. And uh, teams being back on the gridiron means that you can go over to BetOnline.ag their number one spot for pro and college football action this season and get all your Skittles doubled over there. That's the best part about going to bet online with a new online site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. Bet online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code, promo code locked on to receive that bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. 
Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Back here on the Locked On Utes podcast today, minus a Jake Hatch, but plus a Cole Bagley. Uh, Cole, already been a lot of fun so far to talk to you. I've been, I've had the pleasure of already been able to to work with you and seeing you in a couple uh, uh, scrums and whatnot. Not, I haven't been able to be there nearly as much as I would hope this season. Picked up the new job, really haven't been up to practice nearly as much since. But that's not an issue because you've been covering uh, covering the beat like a madman this year. Um, this week is a big week, I think, for the program, and and for a lot of reasons. One, it's USC. This has become a rivalry game. I think both sides consider it to be a rivalry game. Uh, USC does not like to lose to Utah. I'll just put it that way. And Utah is dying to beat USC in the Coliseum, even though it's only been a couple, like, 10 games total. They haven't won there in over 100 years. I, I That stat's a little misleading, right? Um, they haven't beaten them there since they got into the Pac-12 for one, um, as we talk about this game, I think the biggest thing is matchups, right? Like where you can and can't match up. What do you think is the, the, <laughs> yeah, this is a loaded question, but the biggest matchup I think is, is pretty obvious, right? It, it's, it's Drake London against the Utah secondary. Am I wrong there? No, I think, I think you're right on par. I mean, this is, this is arguably the best wide receiver in the country. I believe he's gone for 670 yards and four touchdowns, which is an unbelievable number. There's some quarterbacks that haven't even thrown for over 600, almost 700 yards yet. Including and Utah. So, <laughs> yeah. We won't name who they are. Nope. <laughs> but All no, positivity. That's, that, yes, that is, but that is the biggest matchup. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's that it's one-sided. You know, there's there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of talent on the Utah side, Dante Davis, Brandon McKinney. Uh, you know, Clark Phillips and, and some depth there with Cole Bishop as well. So uh, there's a lot of good players. I think they're up for it. Um, but that to me, that's where the game is going to be won or lost is, you know, do the receivers burn the secondary or secondary you know, step by uh, fly around as they like to say, um, and force some turnovers, you know, Lovis to throw a cup and lost. Yeah. And I think the real key component to it all is, is going to be not just it's, you mentioned the entire unit, right? Like it's not just going to be Clark Phillips, you know, in years past you had a Jalen Johnson where you could do the spotlight coverage that Utah's talked about in the past where you could just lock him up on London and, and hope for the best. Right. Uh, now I think it's going to be, it's going to have to be a group effort. And it, it really, where I think that group effort is, is going to have to uh, um, be almost borderline dominant all game is in that front seven for the university of Utah. Um, you know, Utah's defensive line, Utah's linebackers against that USC offensive line and Keaton Slovis. As you've looked and analyzed this game, what have you seen in terms of Slovis and that maybe that UFC offensive line that, that gives you kind of a, a hope of what can happen going forward? Well, I just think that that Utah – I think the, the depth that we've talked about, you know, I mean, you know, Slovis has done his thing. He's going to do his thing game in and game out. Um, he's thrown for over a thousand yards and that's including missing a game uh, where the backup had to come in. Um, but when I look at this, nobody on that USC offensive line really screams overly dominant as opposed to who they're going to be matching up against um, with Utah. And, and there's, there's youth. I, 
Junior's going to start and Van's probably going to start, you know, so you've got some freshmen, but based off what we saw against Washington state, I'm really not overly worried about it. I think that they're going to do just fine. They're going to take care of business and you're going to see the veteran leadership of Devin Lloyd, as we've seen all season long right there with the linebackers, you know, Nephi Sewell should be back. Um, and, and I do expect to see Reed a little bit more than maybe we have in the past, even with Nephi being, you know, hopefully fully back and starting. Yeah, that'll be fascinating, I think, because Karenny Reed has definitely earned the right to, to see the field moving forward. And, and I've been clamoring for depth uh, all year long. Play the depth. Play your young kids. Play them so they get through the experience. I think, you know, we saw some of the inexperience against Washington State. You know, there was one play where Van Fillinger, who had a phenomenal game, uh, missed badly and, and cut inside on a block and allowed a Washington State running back to get the outside. Against this USC team, I mean, they're only rushing for 137 yards a game right now. Yeah. So, and ranked eighth in the conference in rushing. It's not as big a concern. Um, they're only rushing 32 times a game, um, you know, and only have four TDs, excuse me, six TDs. Sorry. Wrong, wrong line there. They're only rushing 29 times a game, but they have six TDs off of it. And they're only averaging 4.6 yards per carry. So it's not. You know, I think the the areas where you've seen Utah be successful is applying pressure and, and, and really, you know, what they can do with the defensive line. My thinking is this. You don't have to worry so much about Slovis getting outside the pocket and running around. And I think that you're probably right. going to see Utah do a lot in terms of pressure and, and everything like that to try and make him uncomfortable because there's no Jackson Dart this week. There's, there's you know, there, you're down to your other uh, freshman five-star or four-star quarterback. Is it... Miller, uh, I always forget his name. Miller Moss, I believe. Um, yeah, I think that's right. Yep. Miller Moss. Um, anyways, so, so if he's the backup after Slovis, if he gets hurt again, and and look, I'm, I'm not trying to say that Utah's going to go out and, and, and you know destroy Keaton Slovis, um, but I think the, he's been susceptible to injury. We've seen that Utah's been able to get pressure on USC in the past. I don't think that the USC offensive line is is anything, you know, that's outstanding in terms of what they're doing offensively. I mean, they're not really even putting up that many points, only 33 points a game. Uh, really, you know, and, and – Well, they've been blown out. They've, yeah. They've had – there's been a few games, Oregon State and Stanford put up a lot of points on, on USC. So I just like, you know, to your points, I just think that based off what we saw against Washington state, that was a really impressive performance to me by the Utah defense. I think they're best on the season. I think the bye week helped, you know, and, and a lot of guys at practice, they kept on talking about we're ready for the challenge, you know, despite what we're going through, we're ready to step up and it's going to fuel us. And I just, I expect even a better performance. I think early on there may, you know, you might see Slovis and that wide, that wide receiving core move the football, uh, you know, pretty smoothly, but as the game picks up and Clark and a couple of those guys, McKinney start to kind of get a feel for it. You can start to get some pressure in that backfield. I'd like to see a couple, maybe, you know, safety blitzes, hopefully to put some more pressure on there. Um, But I think I just, I don't see Slovis just torching, torching Utah. I think, they're, they're going to hold their own. 
No, and, and really where Utah has to strategize is, is when he gets into trouble and just throws it up to Drake London, how are you going to defend that, right? I think yeah. you're seeing more and more teams are having success with the dropping guys into zone coverage and just getting pressure. Now, as I look at the numbers, I need to backtrack a little bit. U- USC's only allowed five sacks this year. That's an average of one per game. Uh, funny that that ranks first in the conference uh, along with Oregon State and Arizona State, so the three-way tie for first second in the conference or fourth i guess depending on how you calculate that stuff is utah at seven sacks a game so the much maligned offensive line maybe not so much you know in some respects uh, so I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. See which one of these offensive lines really steps up. Now, when you flip that onto the defensive side, uh, Utah is has already amassed 12 sacks this season. Now, a big chunk of those came against Washington State, and Washington State is giving up a ton of sacks. They've already given up 16, but literally half of those sacks were to Utah. So now we're starting to play with, uh, well, is Utah really that good or was Washington State really that bad? And I think it's usually somewhere in between with that. But, uh, you know, looking at USC, they've not been able to generate a ton of pressure ever uh, either. Only eight sacks on the season, you know, um, so it's one and a half sacks a game. So that's another edge where I think if you're really breaking this thing down, Utah has to win in the trenches, number one, first and foremost. But I think there's, you know, statistically – as we're looking at things, there's you know, reason for hope and reason for optimism where I think, uh, you know, if I'm looking at this game where I think things get dicey is what can Utah do on third down? And I think that's been the problem all along. Yeah, what's uh, it's interesting that you, you talk about that. Um, Clark Phillips even said that one of their greatest emphasis against USC defensively um, he said, you know, we've not only got to have great coverage, but he said, we have got to make big plays on third downs. That is our number one emphasis is what are we going to do on third downs? Are we going to give up, you know, a, a short little corner route or streak across the middle to, to Drake London and let them keep pushing those chains? Or are we going to stop them consistently? And that's, that's what they did really well. I think against Washington state is the offense gave up the ball in some really bad spots, but they made big plays when it mattered most. And that's got to be something that they do and they look to do um, against USC. Yeah. And it's Utah's not been converting on third down offensively very well, 30% uh, clip and and on defense, USC is actually holding their opponents to a 30% conversion rate. So you got to look at it from that perspective and think to yourself, you know, Utah's defense is holding their opponents to 36%. So so that's going to be an area of emphasis for this game. And I think defensively, you're right. It comes down to Utah holding them on third down and getting them off the field because USC doesn't really have a counter if you take away. Ooh, you know what? I'm going to backtrack on that. Like, this is not a USC team that can beat you both ways, right? Like we just haven't seen a lot of them in the running game to where I think to myself like, ooh, yeah, that USC run game could be really dangerous. Now, maybe this is the game that they try to pull it out, um, but they really just haven't shown a lot in, in terms of the run game uh, t- to make me think that, you know, they're out there to establish and, and dominate with the run. This is Graham Harrell offense, and that's kind of the way they want to play. And so if that's if you want to throw the ball like that, if you take away Drake London and force them to throw the ball around to other guys, force them to throw the ball on, on third and long, you know, that's where Utah gets the edge. And I think offensively it's about staying away from third and long first and foremost, and and you've got to run the ball. So we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. As as we kind of close out this segment, any final thoughts about the matchup or or any insight that you have uh, going up against USC? 
I think um, offensively, Cameron Rising's got to replicate what he did against San Diego State late in the game. Um, you know, I mean, he entered that ball game through for 153 yards, three touchdowns, including the overtime. He has got to replicate that because USC, when they've in the games that they lost, they've given up six or seven touchdowns, I believe, through the air. Um, not as many in the run game. So while, while I do think, you know, we hopefully fully get an identity and, and some consistency behind hopefully TJ Pledger, um, who I believe is going to be that number one guy going in this week, I just think Cam Rising's got to have a big game. Um, if Utah's going to walk away with a victory, and we've already talked about what happened when he's happened on defense, he's got to show some of that swagger um, that – um, that, that he did against San Diego State, even though they lost that game. He made it close. They were down 14 points with less than four minutes to go. So if they can replicate that, you can get those receivers going, um, get some chemistry, can some consistency, you know, and, and move the ball quickly, I think Utah has a great chance. Yeah, I agree. I think this is as good a chance as any. And, and you know, it, it seems from the, the comments and the vibe of the team that they are ready to play. And, you know, given the tragedies that they've gone through, you know, over the last year, um, that's a lot to be ready to play. Um, I think, you know, but it, it's very indicative of this team, the culture that they've created and, and how they've handled this whole situation. We'll talk a little bit more about those, uh, you know, what, what, why Utah is in uh, this situation in the first place around the corner. I want to thank everybody for making Locked On Utes your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, and that is in due part to our good friends over at Prize Picks. Uh, I know everybody out there who's listening is a college football fanatic, at, and if you haven't heard about Prize Picks, it is the daily fantasy app made easy. I love this. I know you will as well. Prize Picks is the leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offer all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-major players uh, you might not have ever heard of. Do you have a favorite mid-major player yet, Cole? Ooh. I can't say that I do yet, but tell me who yours is. Sincere McCormick from UTSA. He's a running back, and man, is he fun to watch. Uh, if you're not down with the uh, the road runners, I also suggest old Carson Strong out there at Nevada. The, uh, the the Wolfpack gunslinger is a beast. But the best part about Prize Picks is that they offer any prop that you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All you have to do is is when you make your deposit, use the promo code Locked On. You'll receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So if you put $100 in, you get $200 in the account. Pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times your bet on any entry. And it's just you versus the numbers. No no other people you have to worry about. Just you versus the, the stats. They allow mixed sports entries. So you can take the over on LeBron, for example, combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the Apple App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's set, it's just simply it's simple. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast with fast withdrawals. Boy, I'm struggling with that one today. Don't hesitate. Check out PrizePicks.com and use the promo code Locked On, or go to your App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy.
Finishing up an episode here on the Locked On Utes podcast. Uh, huge, huge thank you to Cole Bagley for joining me for today's episode. Uh, had the joy and pleasure of hanging out with Cole and his. What are we projecting, uh, Lil Bagley at? Left guard, left tackle. I don't know. He's a little right hand dominant. Maybe he's a right tackle going forward. What do we think? Yeah, I'm thinking more of the center position. Um, I'm gonna call it my boy Nick Ford. Uh, who's definitely an NFL prospect and teaches this. I mean, he's one years old, but he started walking. So yeah. thinking next season, I he's mean, they have, don't they have like, like he's already half football? the size of your wife. <laughs> like, like I'm not joking about this stuff. He's massive. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could probably play with some five-year-olds and I think he might <laughs> take them. So I will say this man from, from, uh, from our hangout on Sunday, He's got a good chop. Maybe we need to put him on the defensive side, you know, saddle him up with old Van Fillinger over there and have him work those hands. He's got options. Um, well, no, but what's well, funny about that? What's funny about that chop is I think my mom taught him his grandma, I think, or initially <laughs> time because, well, there's no, no, I'm serious. There's this one time where we're sitting out having dinner and there's, there's all these bees. And my mom's like, yeah, get the bees, get the bees and go like this. And he starts chopping at him. And I'm like, Okay, my mom doesn't realize what she's doing, but I appreciate it a lot. That's awesome. It was a lot of fun hanging out with him and uh, uh, had a good time hanging out with the rest of the Ute Zone staff on Sunday. Um, was necessary to have a get-together, I think, after uh, everything that happened over the last year or so, including the pandemic. Uh, this is a program that's kind of – I don't even want to say it's at a crossroads. Um, it's at a very unique and difficult place. Um, I think it's very noble and admirable that the kids have re-engaged and want to play the game and you haven't seen any opt-outs. I wouldn't have blamed anybody, obviously, if if there had been. Um, you know, I think you had a, a lot of experiences along the way, you know, having covered both Ty and, and Aaron. Give us some of your thoughts and just, you know, what you've kind of gleaned uh, from the situation as, as you've had to cover these two tragedies. Yeah, so... I mean, I love sports journalism because it's all about getting away from the stresses of life, um, you know, watching sports um, and giving people a reason to, to take a few minutes and, and, and get outside of the, the world that, that might, might, you know, um, have struggles and trials and tribulations and, and read an article or watch a game or watch a highlight. You know, that's, that's why I love it so much. It's a release from the real world. Um, and I think that I have gone as, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk about, you know, the, I feel like you turn on the news and all you hear is bad things. Um, and that's just not something that I wanted to constantly do. But, you know, unfortunately I learned, you know, pretty early on in my career of journalism about a year in. Um, and then, you know, just about a week ago that there's sometimes that you have to, you have to involve yourself in news like that, you know? So, um, I'll never forget, you know, when I first found out that, that Ty had passed away, um, you know, it was the day after Christmas, you know, waking up, I woke up pretty early cause my phone just kept buzzing and buzzing and all these, you know, notifications going off. And I'm like, when you get those notifications that early in the morning or Samara and she said um, you know Ty Jordan's passed away hey you know here are the details 
you know, he's gone. And my heart just sunk because, you know, Ty and incredible people that I had had really the first opportunity to, to interview. Um, my first year covering Utah football was, was last year. And that, that already had so much, um, so many difficult things, so many hoops to go through just because of the whole COVID situation. And then to throw Ty path, you know, this, this up and coming kid who's just so much fun to watch. Even the media, you know, you try not to have bias, but he just was absolutely my favorite player. Just the way, I mean, I'm a sucker for running backs. Um, I love uh, just their grit, their strength, um, their ability to just to just run into a brick wall time after time. And, and he did it so well, so gracefully. I mean, I just, every time he, he, he took a handoff, you know, he, he kind of held your breath. I remember his first game against, you know, against USC, you know, I'm talking to a couple other members of the media and we're just saying they need to keep giving that ball to tie, you know, they, they need to keep giving more handoffs. And he, he showed that he was the guy and he was going to go so far. I, I fully believe that he, he would have played in the NFL one day. Um, but I just remember exactly where I was when I found out. And it, and it hit me a little, little bit harder, I think, than, than some people. And that's because, you know, he's a, he's a classmate. Um, you know, he was, he was a person that I had had an opportunity to interview on, on a couple of occasions. Um, and one, one specifically that was just really special to me, you know, I, it was my first opportunity to talk to him and it was, it was post game. I believe it was against Oregon state he scored his first touchdown. Um, and you know, when, when these interviews were going on, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a scrum where there's a bunch of people surrounding him. It wasn't in a room or raising hand. It was on, it was on zoom and you had to do a raise hand function. And I remember as soon as he stepped into the room, you know, four or five hands go up and you're like, Oh dang, I'm not going to get to ask my question, but I put, you know, I put my hand in anyways. And a couple questions go by and, and the question that, that I wanted to ask had been, it comes to me and I'm like, I suddenly forget what I want to ask. And I'm like, Oh yeah, Ty, tell me what it's like. Tell me what it was like to, to score your first touchdown as a, as a member of, of the Utah football team. And he just says, man, it was amazing. I can't, you know, I can't describe it. You know, he's like, I've dreamed of being a part of a, of a program like this my whole life. And I just feel like I made my mom proud. And that just was so special to me because I just think as a member of the media, you, you hope that you ask the right question and that you get an answer like that. And, that was like the first time that I really experienced that. I just, you know, as well. And, you know, he never saw my, you know, he never saw my face because it was always over zoom, um, you know, with the cameras turned off, but to me, it meant a lot. And so his passing was tough. You know, I remember Sammy and I, you know, talking about it a lot and you know, we had to write a piece um, for the student newspaper about his passing. And um, later on, I took it upon myself to write a legacy piece about him um, yeah, I spent six or seven hours on that thing, did a lot of research, found out everything I could about his life, and then talked about how incredible he was and the legacy that he left behind at Utah. Um, and so, you know, as, as time goes on, you know, I think you kind of start to heal. You could tell the football team had really started to heal. You know, you have all you know, the hashtags, the LLTJ, you know, they, they, they throw that on some jackets, some hats, some, some shirts, you know, they honor him with the, uh, the, the the number 22 portal named after him and and the you know the Ty Jordan scholarship fund which which went to you know Aaron Lowe and you just you feel you kind of started to feel like we were really finally healing 
you know, I mean, you always miss him. Um, and I'm sure the football team and his family members do even more so than we uh, as members of the media, but you just, you started healing, we're getting through this, you know, and, and there just were some, some special moments, you know, in that first opening game where they had the, the 22, um, but you know, they, they had that tribute to the to portal 22. And then they did that moment of loudness. Um, we just kind of got chills and they, they showed this video and you felt like Ty was there. I mean, I, I believe the play right after that, just to open the fourth quarter went for 22 yards. So it's just little things like that. They're just special. And, and to see Aaron Lowe really embrace his, you know, his, his friend, his brother who had passed. And then, you know, do these strikes again. Um, and again, I, I was, it's the same place, you know, early, an early morning, you know, you, you, you get those notifications, you see a whole bunch of texts and again, you know, that he had been both tragedy, just horrible, you know, just the wrong place at the wrong time and, and tie as well. But you, it, it just was difficult. Um, it's another person, you know, that, that's someone that I actually spoke and talked to um, in person. And, and that made it, I think a little more difficult because, you know, with Ty, it was just behind screens and you know, he's not someone that I actually, got to be around, but I got to be around Aaron, you know, to see uh, a lot of people talked about his smile. He does have, a, you know, he had an incredible smile. He was um, just a, had a, a very lively attitude, so much fun. You know, he's always just joking around his teammates and stuff like that. And so um, again, it, it was a tough thing to go through and have to write another, um, you know, article about the passing of, of someone who's not much younger than I am. It's a difficult thing uh, that I can't really, I don't know, in other words, do it. As a member of the media, felt at the first day of, uh, of football practice on Monday, you know, the first one back since since Aaron had passed, every single player's demeanor just seemed so positive, and and um, they just seemed to be so strong. I mean, you could tell, and when I was talking to Mr. Quinton, you could tell, you know, looking in his eyes and a little bit of his voice, you could tell he's hurting, but he's pushing through it. And you know, I had an opportunity to to be a part of the Britton Covey um, to to talk to, talk to Britton Covey. Um, and he had talked about they had an opportunity to speak with Aaron's mom. And he, he, he had expressed that she told them and to continue on because that's what Aaron would have been to dominate. He said that once she told us that, we could all move forward. We could all, we all knew that it was going to be okay and that she was going to be okay and that we now have, we, because every single one of us know that he would want he would want nothing more than for us to go out and to keep playing. And that's just been the the vibe, the feeling, you know, through both days of practice, you know, it was offense on Monday, defense on Tuesday, and they just seem like they have just been comforted that they've been there for each other. I think Kyle Whittingham has, has handled this situation just beautifully. Um, and so I just was really, really impressed. And, and, and it was palpable, the, the strength and the brotherhood and the love that you could just feel. I mean, guys were the guys were still hugging each other out there. You know, they're walking past each other and patting each other on the back, and, and just showing like, and they're all here for each other. And so I just that's that's my experience, and those are the things that I've seen, and, and I hope that gives hope to you know the people listening to, to the Utah fans out there that these boys are okay. You know, they well they are they are hurting. They're they're going through a trial a tribulation. They're okay. Uh, they have each other, and, and that's made a big difference, a much bigger difference. And many of them have said that that that's that's each other as opposed to with Ty was after the season they're all alone but they've they're back to football they they it's been a release for them and they're ready and they're I think we're going to be surprised at how hard they play against USC on Saturday
Yeah, it's just the emotional toll is is the biggest thing that I worry about because it's it's so draining to go through such a process. I think uh, being able to uh, gather together to be together on a bye week was was um, you know such a silver lining, and then like you said, having everybody together. I think at times, as as you've seen and looked at these guys it's hard to say something like this, but this isn't the first time for a lot of those guys to go through tragedy like this. You know, Nick Ford lost a brother. Uh, we talked about Jaquin and Jackson has lost, uh, you know, close friends to him. A lot of these guys come from areas where it's, you know, it, loss is not an uncommon thing and you feel it in their words and, and their belief systems and, and how many of them talk and, you know, you know, uh, belief in God and things like that, because they've had to rely on, uh, some sort of higher power to get through a lot of this difficulty. I, you know, the one that I look at right now and just, you know, my heart hurts is Kyle Whittingham. And, and it, you know, he is out there trying his best to, to lead these guys. And it feels like, you know, this is a team that has some leadership. They, they've been through tragedy before. So not that experience is, is any way, you know, beneficial as, as you're dealing with grief. But I think, you know, once you've been through something so tragic and, and lost somebody, you realize that life does go on eventually. And yeah, I think it helped hearing from Aaron's mom, knowing, you know, that she wanted them to keep playing and that Aaron would have wanted them to keep playing. I think that's huge. Uh, it's It's got to be, you know, in, in my own mind, it was a relief that they finally made an arrest and, and everything else. But uh, I I am with you 100%. I hope that, you know, when they go out on Saturday, regardless of the result, and we can break down games all we want, you know, it, it's a crapshoot every time, um, you know, because you never really know what factors are going to hit and what factors aren't. And there's so many uh, variables in these games. But the bottom line is this. Um, it, it's It's an accomplishment for them to be out there. It's inspiring how they've handled it. The comments that you've and others have have gotten from them this week have been absolutely uh, just guided. You know, almost is, is yeah. the best. Like like as if they, uh, you know, they've they've all been inspired uh, by this tragedy to be as as Jaquinton mentioned, twenty two percent better, and and they're showing it. You know, right now and in the way that they're they're bonding together. Uh, results. I'm not going to be one that's that's super concerned with results. I think it's just tremendous that they're getting back out there and doing this. Cole, we've gone longer than normal, and, and that's not unusual for these kinds of things because it's been an awesome conversation. I want to say thank you so much for joining. Uh, closing thoughts as, as we just kind of look at this game, and, and if you want to go ahead and give a final prediction, go for it. Yeah, I think, you know, if I can just say some of the fans out there, it's just kind of what you're talking about, Brian, is – these guys have accomplished so much to just be back out there doing what they're doing. I mean, I can't imagine having to play eight more football games um, to get back out there and to, and to just kind of act like they almost kind of have to act like nothing happened. Um, and, you know, obviously they, they're all have their own um, demons to conquer and, and, you know, they, they're for sure still thinking about it every single day, but they have to go out there and they have to, to you know, um, have a high level of composure. And, and so my, my advice and, and just, I think the, the thing that, that would really mean a lot to this team is if Utah fans just continue to do what you're doing and what I've seen, um, rally behind these guys, show them love. Um, don't be too harsh. You know, if they, if they drop a pass or they miss a tackle, if, if they, you know, wind up losing a game, you know, it's just at the end of the day, you know, there are bigger things out there than football. And while we do love this team and we, and we love to watch them compete, 
just just rally behind these guys. Give them everything that you can. Let them hear you um, when they return to Rice Eccles next week against you know Arizona State, and every week after that, you know, just be behind these guys because as 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 impressed as I was, I just know that these guys are 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 really having to to push themselves um, to do what they're doing. So be impressed by that. You know, support that and and support that. You know, without you know, judging them if they, you know, fail to, to complete perform out on, out on the field. But um, I fully believe that, uh, that Utah has every, every chance to win this game on Saturday. Um, like I said, I think it's going to be one between the secondary um, and the wide receivers. With that being said, I think we see quite a few points put on the board. I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe see a one, one possession game um, somewhere between, you know, 35, 28, maybe 42, 35. I think quite a few points are going to be put up um, on Saturday and uh, I'm excited for it. I'll be there in attendance, which is just a dream come true for me and an honor. And, and I hope to, to, um, to cover the game, you know, adequately for you guys to enjoy. So thanks so much for having me on, Brian. I really appreciate it. Oh man, I've been dying to do this for a while. I'm glad we set it up and and it's not going to be a one-time thing. uh, Utah fans, you'll be hearing from Cole a lot more. I uh, want to thank Cole for joining us, for filling in. Uh, like I said, you'll be hearing more from him as we roll down uh, towards the end of the season. Um, also, uh, I hope that you get some Lupe Stoner fries. Uh, I know that it was uh, the logistics of it might not work out, but uh, if nothing else, maybe we'll have to make a uh, special trip down to, to Cali at some point and uh, sample some fries. Thanks again for joining us, man. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast. For Wednesday, uh, October 6th, 2021, uh, just want to remind you all that you can check out my girl, Cindy Robinson, uh, and get all of your daily Pac-12 news in less than 30 minutes on the Locked On Pac-12 podcast. That's available on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for following us. Thank you for making us the first listen of your day. This has been the Locked On News podcast, and we'll talk to you again.